Jesus traveled to Jerusalem to die. The evening before his crucifixion, Jesus gathers his disciples together for one last time in an upper room to share a Passover meal, a commemoration of God's forgiving grace through sacrifice. The mood is dark as a conspiracy to put Jesus to death spreads through the city. As the disciples sit in fear for their own safety, no one is thinking about the cultural tradition of washing feet before a meal. So Jesus takes a basin and a towel and begins to serve his friends. One by one, he washes their feet in a tradition usually assigned to a house servant. The disciples are deeply humbled by this act of service, this act of selfless kindness, this act of sacrifice. Then Jesus leads into the Passover meal, the remembrance dinner that celebrates the forgiveness and freedom God offers freely to us all. Jesus distributes the bread and declares, this is my body broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Then Jesus distributes the wine and declares, this is my blood shed for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Jesus stunningly redefines the most sacred meal in the Hebrew culture. No longer remembering freedom from slavery, but remembering what he was about to do for us. Jesus was hours away from giving his life as a sacrifice for us all. Jesus was hours away from giving his life for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus was hours away from giving his life to bring us all into a right relationship with God as a free gift of grace. Jesus closes his time with his disciples with a vision of what this world can be if we follow his example of selfless service and sacrifice. I have made the love of the Father known to you, and through your love for one another, you will make the love of the Father known to the world. Through your love for one another, you will make the love of the Father known to the world. Wow, what a journey we've been on over the last uh, couple months looking at the life of Jesus. We've seen him baptized, tempted, calling his disciples, welcoming children, hanging out with the outcast, healing the broken, forgiving and eating with sinners and breaking the law. As Scott said last week, Jesus broke every cultural and religious norm to bring the world close to God. And now we come to the upper room this intimate time with his disciples, his final time with them before he would be betrayed, beaten, and ultimately crucified. His words concerned them. They were scared. They were a bit confused of what was going on. Jesus talked about being betrayed by one of them and, and they got in this discussion, well, well, who is it amongst them? So like, man, who is it that's gonna betray him? Certainly it's not gonna be me. 
He talks about going away, preparing a place for them, and then he'll come back and he'll take them to where he is. What is he talking about? Put yourself in that room. The questions, the concerns, so many fears, so, many, so much unknown. I mean, this is the Messiah, right? This is the savior of the world. This is the one that was to come and restore all things. He's the one we are waiting for. I mean, I mean, this is him, right? Man, over the last week or so, I've been reading over John 13, 14, and 15, which is a big part of that upper room time with Jesus. Reading about his disciples going into the upper room to celebrate Passover to remember as they would do every year and as the Jewish nation has been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, remembering that they were rescued out of slavery from Egypt at the power of God by God's hand. And that's what the Passover represented. So every year for so many years they've been doing that. But this is not going to be any ordinary Passover meal. This would be different. It starts off in John 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus knew this would be his final time with his disciples before his death, would, which would take place very shortly after this. This is the last time with them and he wants his words to land in their hearts and in their minds louder than ever before. He wants to narrow it down, sum it up, focus on what really matters. You see, Jesus was laying the foundation for the kingdom, for his kingdom reign that is about to be established and would never end. And he wants to give them a vision of their part in all that. And subsequently, our part as well. So the door closes. It's just them and Jesus now in that upper room. Their Messiah, their Savior, their Lord, their King. And what does he do? He gets up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is like not uncommon practice for a servant. But for Jesus... For our master, for our savior, for our Lord. I love Peter. Peter's like, no way, man. You're not washing my feet. I should be washing yours. You're joking, right? But after a little discussion, Jesus convinces him of the significance of what he's doing. But wait, 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 wait. What about Judas? What about the one that's going to be sent out of that room and go betray Jesus for some coins? What about him? Doesn't specifically say, but I believe that Jesus knelt down at the feet of Judas as well, poured water over his feet, 
cleaned his feet and dried them with a towel. Just like he would have done if I was there. Just like he would have done if you were there. What a moment in the life of Jesus. You call me teacher, he says. Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Wait, wait, seriously? Like literally, you're, you're wanting us to now go and wash everyone else's feet? After all these years, these three years together, it kind of comes to this. We're going to be feet washers? And I could imagine, I could imagine as he said that, and they're like, hmm, okay, we're going to serve people, we're going to wash their feet. That's interesting that Jesus got up off the ground. He put his outer clothes back on. And as they're thinking through what just happened and what he just said, as they're kind of wondering what this means, Jesus goes back to the table and he picks up that piece of bread. And he breaks that bread and he passes it to the disciples. And he says, this is my body that will be broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And then he picks up the wine. And as he passes it around, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant that will be shed for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And he changes from looking at the past of what God has done to now looking at the future and the present of what God is going to do. Maybe this isn't about just washing feet. Maybe there's more to it than that. Well, now the discussion can really begin. Now, we can focus on, we can narrow down what Jesus wants to say, what he wants them to know. A new commandment I give to you, he says. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By all this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Oh, this is about so much more than washing feet. Jesus is getting to the main point. Jesus is getting to the point of the reason why he came, why he called these disciples, why Jesus welcomed children and hung out with the outcasts, why he healed the broken and the sick and he forgave and he ate with sinners, why he broke the laws. You see, Jesus came to show us the love of God to establish his kingdom through that love. As I have loved you, he said. As I have loved you. Now, no doubt, they didn't yet fully know or understand the depth of what that love would mean. They didn't totally understand yet what he was saying, at least not yet. I mean, it would just be a few days later and then over the next few weeks that they would begin to have a deeper understanding. And in this upper room, Jesus kind of talks about that when he says, greater love has no one than this, he says, that he laid down his life for his friends. And, and I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, 
I have called you friends. You see, he was going to literally lay his life down for his friends. He would make the greatest sacrifice. He would put on the ultimate display of love, the love of God that has been, poor, been from the beginning, but is most clearly seen through Jesus. That's why in this upper room, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is now where in that upper room, Jesus begins to paint a picture of the future. Begins to paint a picture of his kingdom established and growing. He wants them to see what is to come. And to get a deeper understanding of their part in it. He says, I tell you the truth. He says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. I mean, can you imagine being in that room? You're like going, what? When we're going to do greater things than you did, Jesus? What are you talking about? We can never replace what we've been seeing him do. But Jesus encourages them throughout that time together to not be afraid, but to trust and to abide in him. And then he makes this huge promise. And then he drops the bomb. You see, he says Basically, yes, even though he is leaving, he's kind of not leaving. Even though he's leaving, he's kind of not leaving. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Why? Because I will live in you. Because I live and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. What? Oh, what a mysterious statement he makes. The world will not see Jesus anymore, but they will because he will live within them. Great is this mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he goes on to say, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. What a promise. That the Holy Spirit will come. God and Jesus will dwell within them. And he will remind them. He'll remind them of the things that they saw, of the things that they heard from Jesus. So you see, it's not only that Jesus come to show the love of God, but the Holy Spirit will come to remind them of the love of God. He will remind them. He will continuously bring to remembrance the Holy Spirit coming 
wasn't just for them, as we will see in a bit. It was for anyone who believes and trusts in God through Christ. God still dwells in his people, us. He still dwells in us. Oh, the power of the Spirit in our lives to remember and trust in the love of God through Christ. I've always loved Paul's prayer in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three, he says, and I pray that you, the church, being rooted and established in love may have power. He's talking about the power of the spirit that dwells within us, that Christ may dwell within us fully, that we may have power for what? together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Oh, I have people tell us, how oh, you guys at Rancher, you talk too much about love and grace. Seriously? I don't think we talk about it enough. If that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to grasp, if that's what the power of the Spirit does in our lives is helps us to grasp that we are loved by God through Christ and to experience the reality and the beauty of that together. And there's so much talk about the power of the Holy Spirit out there. And what does he do? And what does it mean? And if you just trust, what is he gonna do? And his power, and oh, you'll get these feelings and emotions, yeah, you know? So much talk, so much stuff out there. If you do this, he'll do that. I just wanna say what I pray for us as a church, not just our church, but around the world. When I sit there and I think about the church, when I think about us, what I want to pray is that together we might be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of God is in Christ. That's what I hope we grasp. That's what I hope we have a deeper understanding for. That's what I think God wants us to get. One of the main results of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is helping us to love, to see the love of God, to trust in the love of God and to rest in the love of God. You want more of the Spirit? Love. Trust. Say thanks. Be in awe that you're loved by God through Christ. And love one another. This is such a huge part of Jesus' message in that upper room. Starting with washing their feet and then pointing to the bread as his body and the wine as his blood that would be broken and poured out for the sins of the world. Putting on display the love of God. Why is seeing and understanding God's love so important? Why do I think that's what the Spirit wants to do in us together? That's what I think the power of the Spirit is working in our lives. I mean, any of you remember when you met your spouse how powerful that was when they fell in love with you? I mean, love is a powerful 
thing in our culture, in the world. It's everything. It's everything. And when we can sit there and have a deeper trust and a deeper understanding, how many people that come to me every week to talk to me, does God still love me because of this? Look what's going on. Does God still love me? Does God, I mean, that is this common question, whether it be about tragedies that are going on or stupid decisions we've made. Spirit wants us to rest in the love of God. To know it. So why during Jesus' final time with his disciples was this his focus? Well, it's because it's for the love of God that we are called to love each other. It is for the love of God that we are called to love each other. Now, what do I mean for the love of God? I mean for experiencing it and sharing it with others experiencing that love and helping others to see and know God's love for them as he has loved us. That's why it's the key. When we love, we experience God. When we love, other people get to see God. Man, I love John, who's the one that was sitting in the upper room with Jesus. There's other times where John's the one that laid his head on, head on Jesus' bosom. It seemed like John was someone that was pretty close to Jesus. One of those disciples that was the one that seemed pretty darn close. And, I'm, and, and later on, you see that he was taking in what Jesus was saying. He was listening closely to what was being said. I believe he grasped the depth of what he was hearing. As he later wrote in 1 John chapter 4, he said this, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not about how much you love God, it's about how much God loves you. That's love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Just like Jesus told me in the upper room, let me pass it on to you. Just as you've been loved, love. You see, you see no one has ever seen God. And you're not even going to see Jesus anymore, right? That's what he told us. You're not going to see us anymore. I was in that upper room, and we don't anymore. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. John was getting a hold of what Jesus was teaching in that upper room. And he was now helping them to sit there and say, yeah, no one sees God, but when we love, you will see God. When we love, you will experience God. And his love will be made complete. He goes on to say, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, see God lives in him and he in God. See, it wasn't just what he told us. It's now spreading. You believe, you live in him and he lives in you. Just like Jesus told us in that upper room. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just teach us and remind us about the love of God, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to love one another, putting on display the love of God through our lives and advancing the cause of Christ. The world might not see Jesus, but they see us. They see us. We are his body. We are his presence on this earth for he dwells in us. 
We are his hands, we are his feet. We are his body here and now on this earth, furthering his kingdom. That's what Jesus wanted them to understand. That's what he wants us to understand. He, Jesus, was one person. He was one person. And he says he is leaving. But by the Holy Spirit's presence in and through your lives, disciples, and those that will come after you, that will remind you of God's love for them and for everyone, will empower you to love others as I have loved you, you will do far greater than I ever did. You will reach more with the love of God than I ever did because I was just one person. We will and we have been doing even greater things that he did. Jesus reached 12. How many have been reached since? That's what I believe he was saying. That's what I believe he was saying. He was saying, as you grab hold of what I did, wash your feet, here's the bread and the cup, here's my life, laying it down for you, now lay yours down for others. Here I am loving and serving you, now love and serve others, and the kingdom will continue to spread. My kingdom that's established, that will never have an end, will continue to spread as you continue to trust in me and my love for you and love others. Jesus reached 12, and how many have been reached since then? And how many more? might be reached by you and me as we love others as Christ has loved us. That's being a follower of Jesus. Paul heard about this and in Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't that just a powerful statement? The only thing that matters is faith Trust in his love for us and that faith expressing itself through us loving one another. That's what matters. He goes on in the same chapter, says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. That is what Jesus was establishing in the upper room as he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet, as he took up the bread and the cup and he pointed to his death that would cover the sins of the world and his resurrection where he'd show that what he is saying is true, that he is the son of God with power. He was putting on display the love of God and then calling them to the same thing. At the end of his time, close to the end of his time with them, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. In the upper room, Jesus narrowed things down. He narrowed it down. He kind of said, this is what's important. And in the upper room, Jesus' message was, I love you. God loves you. Now go love others.
It doesn't get much more narrowed down than that, does it? Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for your life, Lord Jesus. And when we get to this upper room and just where you serve and wash feet and point out the bread and the wine, your body and your blood, and you paint this picture of the love of the Father that we see through you. For when we see you, Lord, we see the Father. You are the representation. You are who you, you, you want us to see. When we think of God, you want us to think of you. You have put on display the love of God. And we thank you. May we accept that love. May we trust that we are loved by you, not by anything we do, but because you love us. And you will forgive us. And what an amazing time with these disciples, God, as you then talk about the Holy Spirit, that though you leave, you're not really leaving. You're giving us a counselor. You're giving us an advocate. You're giving us power, power to know and understand the depth and the width and the length of your love for us, that, that, that beyond anything we can understand, but you will give us together the ability through the power of the Spirit that dwells in us, the power to understand your love. May that be what we're seeking even more of. To be able to stand in awe that we're loved by God and allow that love to empower us to then love others so that we might see it more fully and completely, but that we might also understand that we are your church, we are your body, we are your presence on this earth, advancing and moving forward your kingdom, thousands of friends advancing your cause. God, as we leave here, may we not underestimate the power of our lives in someone else's as we show patience and kindness and gentleness, as we put their interest above our own, all the verses that talk about what love really is, as we forgive and accept, as we bear each other's burdens, and as ultimately we love as you have loved us. May we never underestimate the power of that within our own homes, with our spouses and our children and our parents, within our families, a bigger family, within our communities, within this world. May we never underestimate the power when we walk into work, when we walk into school, when we walk into the store, the power of us caring and loving and thinking of others, no matter who it is that we come in contact with. That is your kingdom reigning, ruling in and through us and advancing as we are putting on display your love and your grace. May your kingdom come as you ask them to pray, as your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth as it's being done in heaven. As we trust in your love for us and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.